Welcome to The Healthcare Hangover. I'm one of your hosts, David Contorno. And I'm your other host, Emma Fox. This is a podcast about the headaches we've been encountering in the healthcare system that are leaving us feeling a little hungover. Let's dive in. Once again, you have taken on a massive project as though it's <laughs> going to the bathroom. The first time you did that to me was with our symposium. You're, you you put it together in four months and had hundreds of people there. I don't know how you did it. But now uh, you've created an association and uh, it's a nonprofit, so it's not meant to generate profit. But can you tell our listeners a little bit about that and why you did it? Yeah, well, thanks for always supporting the crazy ideas. Um, yeah, the symposium was really cool. Anybody who doesn't know about the symposium yet, I don't know where you've been, but that's coming up actually. I, I looked at the ticker the other day on the ticket. Um, and he's got like a little countdown ticker on the ticket page. And it's like 160 days away again. I, I, I'm so stressed out. <laughs> um, but if you have not attended a U-Powered symposium, you absolutely should. It is such a blast and it like is wildly eye-opening. That was my first big project that I launched a couple of years ago. This one though, um, so the association was launched August 1st. And I actually decided to do it in April. So I, I, it was a pretty quick turnaround too, but I thought really carefully about how I could recommend advisors to people. Cause oftentimes I think people uh, look to me for like who I know, cause I know a lot of people. And so I'm always getting asked like, Oh, can you refer me to like a really legit broker who knows their stuff in X, Y, Z. And you know, I go a lot by reputation, but as you know, with the right marketing, with the right circle, you can look like a real good guy and not really be a real good guy. So I was looking around in the industry, like what organizations can like verify that an advisor is like super transparent and doing the right thing. And I couldn't find one, you know, listen, there are good organizations out there. You're a big health Rosetta guy. Cool. Um, I just couldn't find anything that objectively measured the ethical conduct and transparency of a health care or health insurance advisor. And on top of that, it's occurred to me that over the last few years, we're not just brokers anymore. Like I, I feel like we talk actually mostly to doctors and nurses and um, we've, we've got specialists, we've got surgeons that we're consulting with in order to build our health plans now. And so I would consider them healthcare advisors too. So anyway, I launched the association with one one key goal in mind, and that is to verify the transparency and ethical conduct of benefits advisors. Because I think if I think if we can get employers to the right advisors, we will solve a lot of this problem over a period of time of of bad insurance, of inflated healthcare costs, and so. Yeah, it launched in August and it's been really successful. I'm really excited. We have a few verified uh, advisors already. You are one of them, of course, because gosh, how would you ever live that down if you didn't (laughs) (laughs) join the association? Uh, But organizations can get verified too. So we have a few organizations that are going through verification to prove that they have transparent fees and that they're not egregiously inflating their costs and that they have um, transparent uh, contracts with their advisors and their clients. And it's going real well. I'm 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 excited for what else it will end up doing. For me, what I see this doing is not just finding the advisors that are truly 
transparent and working on behalf of the client because I don't think there's really a lot of them. I think this has the opportunity to grow that population of advisors, to, to, to create ethical transparency. And I'm not saying brokers are by and large unethical. There are, of course, some, just like there are in everywhere. But what I get frustrated with is with both brokers and doctors, actually, is claiming that they're not influenced by the financial incentives in the system when they almost always deliver the results that those incentives are meant to deliver. And mm-hmm. when I, before I moved to a fully aligned and transparent revenue model with the client, when I was still selling traditional fully insured and traditional self-funded health plans, the very first step I took to changing that was becoming transparent, was telling my clients how I got paid and how much I got paid on their account. And that in and of itself was, was quite remarkable in terms of how it changed what I said, what I did, what programs I brought to the table. Now, of course, I still for a time was paid in a way where the more their costs went up or the more business I funneled or kept with a particular carrier, the more I got in commission and bonus. But there was something mm-hmm. very, like it was like a, a almost taking off a weight off my back, even though I didn't even recognize the weight was there until it was removed by telling them how I'm paid and how much I make off of them. And at the end of the day, I don't care what you do. You cut lawns. I don't care what you do. If you cannot tell your customer how much you are getting paid to do it, you're being overpaid. Because otherwise, you wouldn't be ashamed to tell them, right? Right. And I think there's so many layers of complexity in this discussion. Um, You know, you and I have similar but slightly different perspectives in terms of how brokers are paid. And to break it down for people who are listening that may not have the same insight that we do, a a small group or mid-market broker, and that means that there's a a small company under 50 employees, sometimes under 100 employees, that's considered small or or mid-sized markets. And there are brokers in our field that uh, work exclusively with those groups. I mean, America is made up mostly of small businesses, so they need representation, right? There's got to be brokers that represent them. The problem is that in most states, um, in those markets, the commission is part of the premium uh, that that the members essentially are paying, right? And it's, it's, you said, brokers are not unethical. Most of them are not. You're right. But the environment with which they are tasked with working is unethical because they're getting paid by an entity that only pays them more when costs inflate and those costs inflate for members and employers. And so, you know, when I wanted to build out the association, I didn't want to exclude those advisors because they don't have a choice in how they are paid oftentimes. But we compromise by saying that there are a lot of small mid-group market brokers who are very ethical and do the right thing regardless of the financial incentives. And so in order to get verified like you are, um, all you have to do is prove that you are disclosing your revenue, it can come from a carrier. That's okay uh, for the purposes of verification. Um, 
I think some self-funded advisors would struggle to get verified. Yeah. Yep. I had to Why submit. do you think that is? Well, because they're getting paid in <laughs> multiple streams that their clients are completely unaware of and they're not going to disclose it. There's actually more ways to get paid not known by the client mm -hmm. in a self-funded plan than there is in a fully insured plan. But where you and I start to diverge a little bit um, is, first of all, even though those commissioned small group brokers can't cut insurance out, I can't cut commission out of the insurance premiums. Let me tell you two things. One thing they are doing and one thing they're not doing. Even when they're claiming to work on behalf of the client and do the best they can for that, they're pulling from a very small box of solutions. They're not going outside the carriers, even though oftentimes they can. Mm -hmm. So they're still pulling from an environment where I would argue they're just trying to do the least bad, but they're really not doing good. Because as you said, the carriers in, in another episode, the carriers are the ones to blame. And so if all you're selling is carrier-based plans, then you're selling various versions of bad. So that's one thing mm -hmm. that they're not doing. Uh, another thing, actually, that they're not doing, when the Affordable Care Act first passed in 2010, and it didn't go into effect until 2012, so there was two years of... fourteen. 14, was it 14? Somewhere in there. It was yeah. a couple of years from when it passed to when it went into effect. And at the time, I was part of an organization, an association that did do a lot of lobbying on Capitol Hill. I remember the talking points they gave us was one was they wanted to keep commission on the side of the medical loss ratio that wasn't from the carrier's profits so that they wouldn't try to compress us out and lower our commissions. Okay. Um, yep. We've lobbied for... Uh, various things, but you know what I've never heard anyone lobby for? To what? prohibit commissions being filed with the rates. <laughs> I've never heard anyone lobby for that. Like, so while they may be forced to operate in this environment, there are other environments that they could operate in, number one. And number two, if they really felt the way we feel, if they really understood what those incentives do and are meant to do, I feel like they mm -hmm. would lobby uh, for it, but they don't. Yeah. Well, and I have a, a a multitude of problems with the way that uh, carrier brokers, I guess we'll call them, are paid. And I do point my finger at the carrier more so than the broker. I think you're right. There's more lobbying that we we could and should do. Um, the other thing that really bothers me, though, is that we are in a lot of ways allowing the carriers to determine what we're worth. And, you know, I've always, I've, I've been fortunate in that I've always worked in large group. I've, you know, I started my career on a national team and therefore it was big government accounts that were always self-funded. And so I've not worked a lot in uh, small groups, but I, I know enough to know that a small group is often just as much work as a big group. In fact, smaller groups where you have smaller groups of people that are talking to each other all the time and, and sharing their experiences might even be more administrative work. And those brokers are, are being underpaid, like not even a little bit underpaid. And that's because the commission is determined by the carrier. And, you know, Nancy Giacalone, who is actually on our board of directors at AFCA, she uh, had this fantastic LinkedIn Live about compensation disclosure. And she even said, 
yes, I've taken bonuses from carriers because it's the only way that I can financially get by in this market. And it doesn't mean that she puts all of her business in one basket, but but if she gets a bonus, she cashes it because she's not getting paid enough throughout the year for the job that she's doing because that's being determined by carriers. And I do think it requires brokers to to say something about it. And I am disappointed that we have this massive organization in our industry that is meant to be representative of brokers and consumers. And it ain't. Sorry if you're listening. It's just a lot. And so when I, I had to go through all the verification that anyone else would have to go through, despite my relationship to the founder of the organization. <laughs> and um, <laughs> that included, I had to send several contracts between me and the client. Mm-hmm. So that- yeah how I'm paid, what I'm disclosing, what they're signing, what they're agreeing to. Then I had to submit all the contracts for a a self-funded health plan, like actual copies of contracts for clients so that you could also verify that I'm not being paid by them unknowingly. Um, And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's a lot that went into it. I was like, almost a little annoyed, to be honest with you, because I'm like, why do I have to go through this? But I should, it's because you're consistent across everyone. You should be absolutely. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, we, I think that brokers have never had to talk about how much and how they get paid with their clients. And I think what Mm -hmm. the reason it's not, they're not clamoring to change is because they're afraid to do that. It's a difficult, the first couple of times you have that conversation, it's a difficult conversation, but you know, we Mm -hmm. post our fees on our website and I will tell you, nobody has ever tried to negotiate our fee down. Nobody has ever tried to negotiate our performance bonus down. Matter of fact, sometimes they want to increase the performance bonus because they've recognized finally that when we're paid to lower costs the, and we make more money, the more we lower costs, the more they incentivize us to do it, the more likely it mm-hmm. will be done. And you know, the genesis of commissions was back years ago, there weren't brokers. You, you were an agent of the insurance company and you sold right. only that insurance company's products. So in that point, mm-hmm. you, were being, you were being paid by who you work for. And I have no problem with that. But when the broker idea came about to where we're supposed to be independent and have multiple options and multiple providers to bring in to our clients, we're still mm-hmm. being paid by them. And we're claiming now to work for the client, right? That's the difference between a broker and an agent. It's supposed to be an agent is partial to the company they work for. A broker is impartial and works for the client. But when you're not being paid by the client, you're not working for them. I, I, I think you work for whoever cuts your paycheck. And if United Healthcare is cutting your paycheck, that's who you work for. And they're going to pay you in a way that maximizes what their goals are, right? I mean, that's what every company does. They want to pay their people, their employees in a way that maximizes whatever makes them money. And in healthcare, health and care going up makes everyone more money including the broker, because if they're paid commission and healthcare costs go up, premiums go up, therefore their commission goes up. So I, I, I just okay. think it needs to change. I have a challenging question for you. And then I, I want to talk about something else I want your opinion on. But the, I'm going to challenge you with this question. I do agree that you work for the person or entity that pays you. And I do believe in direct fees. However, let's say, I mean, we're a small business, you and I, right? We have six employees Mm -hmm. at our firm uh, at ePowered. 
and um, we are a small business. What would you say to businesses like ours or even smaller that don't have the budget to retain a direct fee consultant on a monthly basis? Because it's kind of like, um, (laughs) I'm going to use this example, but we know someone whose job is to plan other people's vacations, right? And she touts constantly that her services are free. They are not free because she gets paid by the, uh, the, the resort where she is, where she's booking the vacations, right? The consumer doesn't see that. They pay it as part of the fee to the resort. And the same is true in our industry because a small group is it, it, you had this argument in fact with someone on linkedin remember like a year or mm-hmm. two ago you had this argument with this lady who was like my services are free and you were like they are not free so what would you say to a small group employer who can't afford to pay a direct fee well first of all i would say if you work with the right broker even if they're more expensive they're going to save you many times over the fee um in terms of your annual costs uh number one but you know, at the end of the day, you get what you pay for. And if you're not paying your broker anything, which they're not, the client's not paying anything to the broker. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, ultimately, they're footing the bill that is paying them, but they're not paying the broker. Um, your costs are going to be higher. I mean, it's it's really, I, I believe it to be that simple. Um, and And I think you want someone that isn't paid by the carriers, especially in that small, really small space, because coming up with solutions is a little more difficult in the really small space than it is the larger group space, non, you know, non-traditional solutions. Anyway, I almost think that mm-hmm. they should be paid more and the employer should be willing to pay them more because they have more of a challenging job to do if they're effective at doing what the client wants them to do. And I get chastised a lot because I don't follow traditional sales rules. When I go into an employer meeting, I don't ask them, what their problem is. I know what their problem is. Their benefits are too lean and the costs are too high. That's the problem of every health plan that's with a traditional carrier for every employer in the country. Um, And so I tell them what their problem is. I don't ask them what their problem is. And I know that that's very contrary to like traditional sales, you know, selling uh, mentalities and and training, but um, like, that's what they want and that's what they need. Need actually is even better. So Again, when the when the system is paid contrary to that, that's why we get what we get. A lot of people overcomplicate why healthcare costs go up every year in the U.S. and they rarely talk about how outcomes go down. But the reason is is because the system benefits the most from costs going up and outcomes going down. I mean, it's the one industry where if you screw up, you get paid to fix your screw up over and over and over again. And the bigger <laughs> screw up you do, that's the true. more you get paid. <laughs> that's so true and sad. Um, the other question I was going to ask you is so i think we all agree that in the small mid-group market it's it's all kinds of messed up but i actually think that self-funded advisors are the worst culprits when it comes to being super sketchy with the way that they get paid and i know this because i've always worked in large group And I've also worked for third-party administrators where we unbundle all of the components of a self-funded health plan. Can you give the audience some examples? If you're you're an employer and you're listening and you have a self-funded health plan for your large group, 
how might your advisor be getting paid a little extra here and a little extra there? Yeah. So I'll name all the ways that I've seen, and this is not ways that I imagine. We've taken over plans and we've seen this. Sometimes we've seen all of them in one plan. So Mm -hmm. the most common compensation for a self-funded broker is commission on stop loss. Again, contrary to the, uh, the, 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 what the employer wants, but, um, commission on, on health. And sometimes they even charge a flat fee as well. But one trick is I remember this was years ago when I was getting appointed with a stop loss carrier for self-funded plans. And, uh, they said, okay, well, we're, we're getting ready to send you the contract. Do you want to be paid commission or override? And I said, what's the difference? And they said, well, commission is disclosable to the client overrides not. I said, so wait a second, I can tell you I want a 10% override and the client's never going to know about it and not have to report it. And like, yeah, could I do both? Yeah, <laughs> I did neither and didn't work. You with do both? Loss. Both. Yep. Do both. <laughs> um, so first of all, there's commission and overrides from a stop loss carrier. Uh, then you can easily get a per employee per month or a piece of the per employee per month that the client is paying for the plan administration to the administrator. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can get a couple of dollars per employee per month from the medical management company. You can get mm-hmm. a bunch of money from the PBM, uh, especially oh, yeah. especially if your broker is coming in with their large brokerage agency's contract or coalition, PBM you know, consortium, where they claim that they bulk all these employers together and get better pricing. It's not true. I want everyone to know that. It is for them to make more money, period. Um, so you can get paid by almost every single entity in the plan. PBM, the medical manager, um, the administrator, the stop loss carrier, um, and, and the client. Like You can get paid from all those sources. And most of the time, they're not going to know about it. Um, now, Interestingly enough, there is a federal law that requires brokers to disclose all their compensation, but I really want to do a mm-hmm. survey of employers and find out how many brokers are actually doing that. Because I bet right. you it is just negligible. Next to none. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I've heard the argument like, well, we have to file the form 5,500. <laughs> it, it's inaccurate at best. And there's a bunch of stuff on the 5,500 that you don't have to disclose. It's just like none of it. It's not adding up. So here's what I would say. My challenge to any employer out there is ask your advisor to get verified by the Association for Healthcare Advisors. And if your advisor, it's it's by the way, it's not expensive. It's one of the the lowest cost memberships you can get in this industry. Uh, and your advisor should be proud to be part of a community of transparent and ethical advisors, right? But if you go to your advisor and you say, I want you to get verified by AFCA, and they say they can't or they won't, you need a new broker. Should be a major red flag. The other thing is, um, especially if they work for a large brokerage agency, is Mm -hmm. you can download like from Health Rosetta, for example, a compensation disclosure form. I would suggest Mm -hmm. starting off by handing that to your broker and asking them to have it filled out and signed by an officer of the company, not themselves, Mm -hmm. because a large broker is not, they're going to have it only signed off if it's accurate. Otherwise, they're going to refuse to sign it. So it's either not going to come back to you Mm -hmm. or it's going to come back to you accurately most of the time not go back yep. to, but I think that's even more telling. 
And then you should go to AFCA's website and find a verified advisor so that they will be happy to yes. disclose with you the compensation and how they're paid. So I, I think what you're doing is a really great cause. And I know you're not doing it to make money, um, at least not yeah. this one. Um, and I hope uh, I hope the demand continues to build. It's actually been quite remarkable to see the demand just in the few weeks it's been open. Well, thank you. You know, your support is really uh, imperative for me. And being a woman in this industry has its challenges. Being a female business owner has its challenges. And, you know, having you in the same industry, being married to you, having your support really is what gets these ideas off the ground. So maybe you should be a little less supportive <laughs> in <laughs> well, the future. <laughs> I, 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 my ex-wives would not call me supportive, I think. The reason I support these things is not just because you're my wife, but because we really have very aligned beliefs on these topics. And so everything that you do makes sense to me. Even the, couple, the, the few areas that we don't fully agree, we often agree on what's wrong. Um, and mm -hmm. we often agree on what the outcome should be, but we sometimes disagree on how to get there, um, which is, I think, great, actually. I think that's a, a positive, mm -hmm. not a negative. But, um, but yeah, you have my support because I believe in you and I believe in what you're doing. Thank you. You know, I think if you're okay with it, um, I'd like to throw out uh, an offer to any employer that would be interested. Um, we do a full uh, audit of health plans for employers. It's called uh, health plan diagnostics. People also sometimes call it broker check. And it's on the ePowered website. Um, it's listed there and it's through a company called Signal Health Consulting. And basically it's a complete breakdown and audit of your health plan. So there are three parts to the report. There is the assessment, the diagnosis, and the treatment. Very clever. And it will go through all of your contracts and check whether or not your broker is getting excess commission, adding in egregious compensation, and it'll also check the viability of your benefit plan. If it's well utilized, if there's fraud, waste, and abuse, et cetera, usually there's a charge uh, for that. But if anyone's listening and you reach out as a result of this podcast, uh, if you're okay with it, David, we'll do the audits for free. Yeah. And just, I want everyone to know that Signal is not a consultant, advisor, or broker. Um, that's, nope. they're not angling to get your business. They're angling to educate you on where your money's going. And let's face it. I, I don't, even the largest employers don't really know where their healthcare dollars are going, but certainly if you're fully insured, mm -hmm. you have no idea, no idea where your money's going. So this will at least give you some insight yeah. into that. Um, you know, if it's fully insured, the, the claim side is going to be limited, but, um, how brokers are getting paid. And if you're self-funded, every single employer should be doing this because, there are oh, yeah. so many hidden ways to get revenue. And the, the part of the reason why I sometimes find it disingenuous for brokers to claim that they're not incentivized by the incentives is because when we talk to vendors in the self-funded space, every single mm -hmm. one of them has to pay brokers additional revenue or they don't get any business. So mm -hmm. they're clearly incentivized. And, and I know that back when the ACA was rolling out, I was tasked to help North Carolina decide what to do or not do as it relates to the ACA. So I was going to Raleigh every week for months and meeting with executives. And there were there was a carrier exec for a, a, a regional carrier. They got, eventually got bought by Aetna. But at the time, they were just like North and South Carolina. And the CEO of that company said that every time Blue Cross and Blue Shield puts out a new business bonus of $10,000, their new business dries up until they do the same thing. So... Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I, 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 these carriers are very, very smart. They have a lot of really smart, well-paid people at them. They don't pay these things out because they don't work. They pay them out because they do work. And so the only defense that I find for a broker is they may be unknowingly incentivized by the way that they're paid. Mm-hmm. They're, I, I, yeah. For me, I was paid that way for a long time and I didn't see it. But holy mackerel, did my results change for my clients when my incentives changed? Mm-hmm. Yep. I agree with you 100%. You know, I do. And I think, you know, I, if again, if you get pushback from your broker for either getting verified or wanting to audit the work that they've done, um, I, you may as well just skip skip the audit altogether and just fire them, <laughs> honestly. And I'm I'm going to say something uh, a, a little bit on my sassier side, but if you happen to employ a broker from one of the big letter houses, I, I guarantee you that you'll find so much in your audit. Uh, and I I just I want the opportunity to prove it. So uh, yeah, Signal doesn't retain any business. So all, all they do is audit. They don't uh, they don't become your broker, but they will give you a recommendation as to what advisor you should be working with. And that advisor uh, will be someone that's been verified. So yeah, I, I'd love to see some um, some outcomes of that. And then maybe we can talk about them on later episodes. And, and for the brokers listening to this, you're you're probably thinking either we don't know what we're talking about or you're the exception to the rule that we just uh, laid out. But I want you to understand the responsibility that you have, because I can't think of another professional that a business employs that has the potential, the opportunity to touch the company as greatly financially as we do, because it's one of the top mm-hmm. items on their P&L. The ability to touch the finances of every single employee of that company, because ultimately the cost tied to that health plan is going to be borne by the employees, or at least partially. And mm-hmm. when you truly get into building a really transparent healthcare plan, you then have the ability to improve people's lives clinically or get them to places of care where they're more likely to have a better quality of life. It is a massive responsibility that. I never saw I even had, let alone could do anything about. And mm-hmm. I want to challenge the brokers out there to say, this is too important for me to keep doing what I've been doing and keep delivering what I've been delivering. It's it, We're talking about people's lives here. We're talking about their ability to afford a home. We're talking about their ability to access life-saving care. This is major, major stuff. And I don't think we take that responsibility as importantly as we should. I agree. I agree completely. I, uh, I love your messaging as always. Thank you for letting me talk and fly my freak flag every now and then. I, uh, I guess we'll talk again on the next episode. In the meantime, go to afhca.org, which is the AFCA website to see what it's about, how you can be a part of it and, um, spread the word. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review. And remember, there's always a hangover with healthcare. Until next time.